0: It's such a big part of success in sport, and then kind of going it semi alone is, um, I feel like you're going rogue a little. There's a lot of like, well, what are you doing now? You know, <laughs> um, uh, I totally get it. Like, what are you doing to live up to these, these Olympics and NFL and all of these things? And it's like, wow. Oh you know incremental progress and then all of a sudden I feel like the light turns on you are like whoa it, it is the same you know
1: <laughs> hello and welcome back to redirected I'm your host Andrew East and this is a show where we sit down with celebrities athletes entrepreneurs really anybody who has encountered significant unexpected changes in life and I think if we all take a step back we can acknowledge that Everybody goes through significant unexpected events in life. And so I wanted to sit down with these people who have gone through those well in order to learn something myself and share that wisdom with you. Today we have a real treat with us. We sit down and talk with world and Olympic ice dancer and figure skater Meryl Davis, and she talks to us about how she ultimately transitioned away from her sport that she had spent her entire life doing and into something else, found her new passions and pursued those with her whole heart just like she did figure skating. And I think this is an important episode because every one of us at some point devotes a lot of our time to one activity or one career and ultimately we're faced with the reality that we have to transition out of that, whether we got fired or we just realized that that wasn't for us. And so Meryl shares some really, really great pieces of wisdom on how she did it and how you can do it better. So if you guys want to find out more about Meryl, you can find her information in the show notes down below. If you haven't, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, give it a rating. I would much appreciate it. And let's just go ahead and jump into it. Meryl, thank you for joining us this morning.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I was so honored when um, you asked.
1: Yeah, this is gonna be fun. I first wanna start off and congratulate you. Just got married two months ago.
0: Yes, thank you, thank you. And congratulations to you, a baby on the way. So (laughs) much has changed since we last met.
1: Yeah, absolutely, a lot has happened. I would love to hear about the wedding because you got married in France, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, We got married in, um, actually an American family's vacation home in Provence, just outside of Avignon. And uh, it, was, it was beautiful. It was magical. It was so much fun. And um, it's definitely coming home. We decided to postpone our honeymoon. And so, uh, coming home after the wedding, we were like, back to work, back to work. <laughs> yeah. uh, the wedding was incredible. And we, I just, I guess I wasn't totally prepared for especially with a destination wedding, how special and exciting it would be to have all of our friends and family in one place. I don't know if you experienced that same feeling, but sort of having so many of the people you love the most from different times and different parts of your life be in one place was the coolest feeling. So uh, we had the time of our lives.
1: Yeah, there's something magical about it, huh? Can you say Provence one more time? You said it so nice.
0: Provence.
1: Provence, you got such a nice accent. The second thing I want to talk to you about is where do you get your hats? Because your hat style is rocking. You got some swag. Thank
0: you. Oh, <laughs> I just uh, removed from. I removed all my hats from the shelves. No, back. put them back. <laughs>
1: uh, yes. Oh, you got a lot. You have a lot.
0: Most of my hats are a result of um, lazy, being lazy, like not wanting to do my hair. But I love a good hat. I, uh, I like protecting my skin from the sun. And it's, so it's it's good to go. But yeah, no, I, I definitely... <laughs> like I, I would say 95% of the time I'm wearing a hat. so it's
1: a, it's a good look. I don't know if you could see the flow going on here. But I okay. clearly my hacking could use some work um oh, it looks great. <laughs> i would I love to
0: he- backwards cap quite as well as you do but it looks awesome
1: well thank you um i would love to hear about your upbringing meryl so you were raised in the detroit area right
0: that's right yeah i was born um in a suburb of detroit called west Bloomfield, and um i grew up in a lake neighborhood and so there, there's a local lake and so all the neighborhood kids would um you know we spent every summer at the beach. I I think other than slipping on skates, I don't think I wore shoes any like throughout summer of my childhood. And to me that just is so representative of joy and and happiness. It's just like running around, freedom, spending time with friends, family, neighbors, and just um, that just like informal setting and atmosphere. I love that. And then The lake, of course, froze over in the winter. And so that's where I learned to skate. And um, I come from a very, very close-knit family. I have one younger brother, Clay, who now lives in San Francisco. And, um, yeah, I just, my parents, I I have no shame in saying this. My parents are, like, the nicest people I have ever met in my entire life. I'm so lucky. Sometimes, especially when I'm spending time with them now as an adult, I just look at them and I think, I have no idea how I got so lucky to have people like that as parents. They're just kind, like nice, warm hearted people. And uh, I, you know, life obviously has its many challenges for all of us, but ultimately when I, like, when I get to spend time with my family, I just think nothing else really matters because
1: they're pretty cool. So were, were they into, uh, by the way, I have to ask, because I'm so thrown off by this. I saw the, the term ice dancing. Yeah. for the first time. I thought it, I, I, it was always figure skating to me. Is there a difference?
0: Well, ice dancing is a, uh, like a, a discipline of figure skating. So within the sport of figure skating, we have ladies singles, men singles, pair skating, and ice dancing. So ice dancing is our discipline.
1: I yeah. am so embarrassed that I did not know that, but thank, <laughs> thank you for the education. Were your parents into skating?
0: Um, my parents were not into skating. My mom, was really athletic when she was younger, but she never really, um, she never like really pursued anything long term in, in sports. And uh, my dad is not of the athletic um, <laughs> persuasion. So, um, yeah, no, neither of my parents were really skaters. And um, on top of the fact that I grew up in a lake neighborhood, I was a really, really energetic little kid. And so I think my parents were happy to, Just be like, go expend some of that energy on the ice. And um, yeah, I fell in love with it immediately and just never looked back.
1: Wow. Well, you've had an amazing career. Uh, Just to give the audience a quick highlight. So 2014 Olympic champion, 2010 Olympic silver medalist, two-time world champion, five-time Grand Prix champion. Uh, The list goes on. I am curious um, which... Of those accolades, or maybe it doesn't even have to be uh, an event that you won, but what are you most proud of when you look back uh, on your career?
0: That's a great question. Um, I would definitely say, you know, while the medals and the accolades are cool, and it's a lot of those things have definitely opened doors for me and enhanced my life in a lot of ways, um, the people that I got a chance to know, um, you know, become close with and learn from Mm -hmm. over the years Mm -hmm. are by far the best part of my skating career and my athletic career. Um, you know, whether it's coaches, um, fellow competitors, people that I trained with, um, you know, the figure skating community just has been a part of my life for so long and getting a chance to go through the ups and downs with, with such incredible people and, and learn the lessons and, just have these insanely cool experiences that I never in a million years would have otherwise had, you know, going to um, you know, Belgrade, Serbia uh, with my mom and, and Charlie and his mom when we were, you know, teenagers basically and just getting to sort of open my mind and my pers- my life perspective and world perspective through skating has been um, definitely so incredible.
1: Wow and i would be remiss if i didn't bring up charlie who you have been partners with since 1997 i believe the longest paired uh dance team in the us 20 i mean 20 years
0: more than 20 yeah yeah it's um we got really lucky a lot of people in our sport have to either move across the country to find you know a partner that's a, a good fit for them Physically and and um, you know in terms of personality and skating style and a lot of people actually a big thing in the skating world is um, Citizenship and having to change citizenship to represent the country that your appropriate partners from and how long do you have to wait for a citizenship in order to represent that country, you know at the Olympic Games things like that and um, Charlie and I grew up like seven or eight minutes down the road from each other way i know both of our parents both sets of our parents still live in the houses that we were born in um we just yeah we we got really lucky and then also being from detroit detroit um has just for years been sort of one of the places in the world where the world's top figure skating coaches were were teaching and living and so Again, like a lot of people, move from Russia and Italy and France and all over the world to take from these coaches in the Detroit area. And Charlie and I are like, "Oh, good! It's just like a ten minute drive to the local rink." We, yeah, we, yeah, we definitely a lot of things align for us for sure.
1: I was uh, I was reading an article, and you there's a whole section on. It seems like you're very passionate about Detroit and and thankful yeah. for the opportunities that it has presented. But I respect. It's I've been. Mildly introduced to the gymnastics culture, obviously, um, marrying Sean, And she kind of had a similar experience where like, it was this, it was really like a, a, a God thing where it's like there's no, she had an amazing coach that was 10 minutes down the road and now people are flying across the country. And just that, the whole world of, of sports where people are literally transplanting their whole family is like wild and the fact that you didn't have to do that seems like a big, big blessing.
0: It's such a blessing. And I think even just the thing about that that I'm most grateful for is Charlie and I didn't have to leave our families, right? Like so many kids, when they sort of like hit that stage of sport and life, maybe 11 to 14, you know, they realize they have talent, they realize there's possibility, and then they have to, either their families have to move with them or they have to leave their families behind and go live with another family or live on their own at a really young age. And Charlie and I were able to, you know, continue living with our families and um, go to the school that we had always gone to and graduate high school with our graduating class. And the sense of normalcy um, definitely was, I mean, I'm incredibly grateful for.
1: It does seem um, one thing I've heard you bring up a lot uh, in previous interviews is like how you really tried to have a focus on being well-balanced and, and going to to high school and going to, to college. And you were part of a, a sorority, weren't you?
0: Yes, yes. I I don't know how I did it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I think now about you know training, going to school, and then like participating in sorority active, I loved it. I had the most amazing time. But I think now about all of those obligations, I don't know how I did it. I was young.
1: Um, You studied Italian and cultural anthropology, is that right?
0: Yeah. What Uh, even is that? Actually, I just have two classes left for my undergraduate degree. So um, you're catching me between chapters in my (laughs) 101 online course that I'm currently taking. Um, But I've been sort of very, very slowly chipping away at school since 2006 um, uh, college since 2006. And so, um, I'm two classes away from graduating. So it's been, it's been a long one. It's been a very long road. And, um, yep. Cultural anthropology. Actually, since I started at the University of Michigan, they have shifted (laughs) and you can no longer major in cultural anthropology.
1: (laughs) No. I know.
0: I know. It's, it's, It's like a Van Wilder type situation. But, um, I, so now you just have to major in anthropology. So the game is changing as I'm playing it and it's it's yeah, it's pretty funny, but um and and minor in Italian. Yeah.
1: Very cool. Um it seems like travel is a big theme in your life and even with the the choice of studies that you have. Um is that do you think that was sparked with having to travel to different competitions and like getting the getting exposure to different cultures, is that something that was just inherent in you?
0: Absolutely. Um, by the way, I'm so incredibly impressed with how much research you've done, especially considering how much you have going on. I know you are <laughs> in a, a very busy full life yourself. So thank you for you know so much, and thank you for. It's amazing. Honestly, I'm
1: I, I really enjoyed listening to your interview. You have such a bubbly personality and like you're, you're just oh. right, so I, I enjoyed it. So anyway, thank
0: you. But I will. I'll answer you. I didn't mean to interrupt your flow. But um, yeah. So I always love traveling, and like I, I said, Charlie and I were really lucky to travel from a really young age, going to Europe and going to Asia. You know, in our, our mid teens, late teens. And just seeing the way other people live, and how their culture and their perspective changed the way they lived their lives, the way they interacted with other people, the way they thought about themselves, and, and what they wanted out of life was so fascinating to me. The fact that where we're from and sort of the context of the culture we grow up in has such an impact on our entire lives um, just sort of blew me away. And so traveling the world and getting to learn about other people and cultures and and sort of expand your sense of self in doing that just is something that I was always incredibly passionate about. And um, I picked up a National Geographic probably when I was like maybe 15 or 16. And I started reading all these articles and sort of all the articles that I gravitated towards as I you know, continued reading this magazine were, um, sort of anthropologically focused articles. And so I was talking to my dad about it and he's like, Oh, you should major in what you love. So here we are anthropology.
1: <laughs> right. It is cool. I feel like with, with your sport of choice, um, and you've mentioned this, the, the multifacets that or the, the, the number of facets—I don't even know how to say that. What am I saying? The multifaceted approach <laughs> of figure skating, where you are acting, you're doing costume design, you're doing storytelling. It is—it is, it is kind of cool that that plays into um, your travel to a certain extent, where like even though you might not speak the same language of wherever you're at, like anybody from across the world, and you have millions watching when you're competing, like can appreciate what you're doing and the art of it. And uh, it's it's cool how that plays in.
0: Well, I'm sure you and Sean have experienced the same thing both together and individually in your sports, but um, sport just has this incredible way, like you said, of bringing people together. And um, especially when I was younger, a lot of our competitors didn't speak English. And um, being able to appreciate sort of like this this common ground that we were on and and having a mutual respect for the work and the effort and sort of the ability of the human body and spirit to overcome all of these obstacles, um, you know, whether it's on a daily basis or something like the Olympic games. I mean, I I think that's one of the incredible parts of sport is just the ability to to bring people together for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, So I wanna talk about uh, post-skating you won Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. So have that in common with, uh, with Sean. I have no experience with that, but congrats. <laughs>
0: Thank it was
1: you. wonderful to watch you dance. Um, and then, one thing that you seem passionate about talking about is your transition. And you wow. mentioned that you're, you're after competition, you go to Hawaii and you're sitting on the beach trying to figure out what's next for you. Can you walk us through what that was like for you? Today's episode is brought to you by ZBIT. We've all been there, suffered through those times when we really needed something, a bigger TV to watch the game, new tires on your car, a tablet to keep track of your busy schedule. But how many of you have the kind of cash lying around to cover those expenses? That's why you need to check out Zbit. With Zbit, you can shop millions of products from your favorite brands and pay for them interest-free over time. Simply choose a product you love and just pay a small portion of the price at checkout. The rest you pay over time at 0% interest. Check this out. I'm looking at a pair of AirPods on Zbit, which go for retail anywhere else at about $159. And on Zbit, I'm just paying about $30 and the rest 0% interest over time. In addition to interest-free credit, Zbit has no cost to join, no late fees, and no membership fees. Sign up for Zbit today at zbit.com east and get up to $2,500 credit to shop the Zbit Marketplace at zero interest and zero cost to join. That's zebitcom slash East for $2,500 of interest-free credit. Zbit.com slash East. Today's episode is brought to you by ClearBank. ClearBank is changing the way entrepreneurs raise money with equity-free capital. Co-founder Michelle Romanow, star of Canada's Dragon's Den, which is a Canadian version of Shark Tank, co-founded ClearBank with her partner Andrew D'Souza after seeing how many companies were willing to part with precious equity in exchange for a bigger marketing budget. ClearBank believes that founders shouldn't give up a piece of their company to fund marketing and inventory expenses. ClearBank makes equity-free investments from $10,000 to $10 million and can get you a term sheet in less than 20 minutes. They charge a small flat fee for the capital and you pay them back using a win-win revenue share. This is not a loan. There is no interest rate. There's no fixed maturation date, no personal guarantees, no credit checks, and no financial covenants. ClearBank has relationships with marketing agencies, e-commerce professionals, venture capitalists, accountants, and more, giving you a true unfair advantage in the market. ClearBank invested over $150 million in 2018 and is on track to invest over $1 billion this year. Some notable portfolio companies are Public Goods, Lisa Sleep, Latote, and Buffy, just to name a few. So if you are doing over 10000 a month in revenue, find out how you can receive ClearBank capital by getting your 20-minute term sheet at clearbank.com east. That's clear, B-A-N-C, bank with a C, dot com slash east. ClearBank. Stop pitching and get back to doing what you love, growing your business. The whole theme of the show kind of is like, you know, what do you do when you're faced with an unexpected event or a fork in the road in life? And uh, you've certainly experienced that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. Um, I, yeah, Charlie and I, we had been, sort of as we talked about, we had been training and working for so long and um, we were so singularly focused, right? Like we were so focused on, not necessarily winning the Olympics, but those performances at the 2014 games, we were, we did everything we needed to do from like eating the right things to sleeping the right way. And everything was in preparation for those moments at the games. And we hadn't given a lot of thought to whether or not we would want to return to competition. But I, in in the year leading up to the 2014 Olympics, I was very stressed. And I guess in the back of my mind, I sort of thought, you know, I'll go, like you said, to Hawaii and just sort of detox and like relax and just enjoy the meaning of life and in a slower pace for six months. Like I'll need a good six months to just sort of hit hit the reset button and just enjoy enjoy life. And um, we did Dancing with the Stars, which was an incredible experience. I went to Hawaii for two weeks, incredible. And yet, I found that when I was there, my lack of Direction even though you know me literally I think it was like a week or two after dancing with the stars But my lack of direction and lack of a concrete goal um, Lack of what at the time felt like a lack of purpose really started to bother me very quickly Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said while I really thought I would just be you know enjoying ordering smoothies going for walks on the beach I felt this absence of um, a sense of purpose that I had felt for so long. And, um, that's something that has taken me and, you know, I'm still figuring it out. I'm definitely in a different place than I was five years ago, but, um, I think it's, it's one of those things where, Sport is a great example of things that people go through outside of the world of sport as well. And um, I think it oftentimes happens when people are a little bit older and they're retiring from a career they've had their entire lives, but you know, we shoot for that thing, that moment, that achievement that we can sort of like check off the list and, and have, and yet, you know, especially as athletes, we retire at, you know, 25, 27, 30 years old. And you have a whole life left to live and while many of us have found this passion at five years old, you know, seven years old, we are then I don't I hate to say forced because it is an exciting thing that we have the opportunity to find something new, but um, especially at certain times I felt as though I, I was forcing myself to find something else that I was excited about and it's been hard, um, I, I'm sure a lot of your guests, I, I know you have like 55 guests or something like that, which is <laughs> incredible and it's so cool that you're diving into different people's stories and finding this common ground of this transition that people go through because it is so challenging. Um, I think so often we wrap up our identities and who we are in what we do and taking the time to separate those things and really be able to listen to what do I really want out of life? Like, what's going to make me happy? What is going to fulfill me? What, how, how am I going to find purpose on a daily basis? Because ultimately, you know, the standing on a podium, the medals, the accolades, the promotions, the, you know, the raises, whatever it is, are great. But, you know, life is one day at a time. And, and so I think that's been something that I've really had to learn to embrace and sort of think of a bit differently since transitioning away from competition.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like we live in a time where there's a bunch of like motivational speakers that you come across on the internet and it seems like, you know, it seems like they're telling you like you need to figure it out, you need to figure it out and like actually figuring it out is a way different task than just like, yeah. you know, having that confidence that who knows where it comes from. But then as athletes, there is this um, vacuum that is created when sport is done. Mm -hmm. And I would say it's a bigger vacuum the further you progress in the sport and the longer you do it um, because, like, you're just investing. Your whole community is in that sport. All your time has been in that sport. You're so used to that. I don't want to say it's not instant gratification because, like, like, your sport, you train, I mean, for four years to get to the Olympics or whatever, like, your ultimate goal was. And then, like, it's not instant gratification, but there is this sense of, I know that when I go into the gym and train, Mm -hmm. I will see some type of progress, you know? Like, usually that's how it is um, as sports, and like you're, you know, but when you're done with that, you sit back and you're like, huh, okay, well, I'm not hanging out with the people that I am used to hanging out with. I am no longer competing, so what is there left for me to do? Um, it's, It's a very tough spot for me to be, or for anybody to be in. And I think I'm I'm super thankful for how my professional football career has panned out because it forced me to like to come to terms with the fact that hey, there's got to there has to be more to life than football for you, or else like you'll be sitting around sad the whole time. Um, but
0: well, hundred percent, and I, I think it's interesting because you say the instant gratification, which I, I agree, I think to a certain ex- extent is very true, and. I think one of the one of the things about sport that you sort of have to let go of I feel like as you move away from is the applause like literally and figuratively right like when you are you're working hard you're making progress you show up at a competition you know people are on their feet they're clapping for you good job you did it you go home you're refreshed you're rewarded you go back to work and you do it all again and you know for the vast majority of people real life isn't like that. Like, you're working hard, you're making progress, you're doing everything you possibly can. No one's giving you a standing ovation. No one's clapping for you. And whether it's the literal experience of, of hearing that applause or just the meaning of it, right? Like, being recognized for these this incremental improvement and in the things that you're doing yeah. is something that we get very accustomed to. Um, but I think it's also interesting because over time, I think I have realized that like you said you go into the gym you see the progress and in sport that's what makes it so exciting Yeah. and then you move away from sport and it feels like the opposite it feels like i you know i don't have that same sense of instant gratification i, I don't have that same you know incremental progress and then all of a sudden i feel like the light turns on and you're like whoa it, it is the same you know i'm <laughs> thinking no i i still have to set those same goals i still have to have incremental progress and I have to take pride in, you know, five steps, and not look ahead to, you know, I can only pat myself in the back after I got to this like major lofty goal. Mm-hmm. So I think, at least for me, the, a lot of the process has been relearning and ex- accepting that a lot of these things that make sport such a beautiful experience are actually applicable to the world outside of sport. It's just in a really different way.
1: I needed to hear that, so thank you for sharing. I was, I was briefly telling you before the show that I recently got released and it's like, you know, every, as as far as I've come um, in maturing outside of football, there still is this like attachment and like, you know, s it's been your dream forever. And when you when it doesn't pan out like you think it is, there's a certain amount of heartbreak. Um, there's two things that I really struggle with was one, the lack of structure. And like in sport, you have a coach, you have a daily routine you have like all these you have this really really intense structure and then you leave that and it's like it's exciting because now you're in charge of everything but it's also the worst thing ever because you're not used to having that type of freedom and that type of domain over like what you're spending your time on and then too I don't know if you felt this but like conversationally too when you leave the sport like you're so used to being like oh how the comp like people asking you how the competition go or how's training and like then, that's gone, and there's almost this awkwardness of like, what do we talk about? <laughs> you know,
0: I think, um, and I don't know if you're experiencing this, but there's a lot of like, well, what are you doing now? You know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, I totally get it. Like, it's you it's know? an honest question, um, and yet because so many of us have this sort of like internal struggle other people wouldn't necessarily know that it's a bit of a trigger, right? Like, yeah. well, what are, what are you doing to live up to these these Olympics and NFL and all of these things? And it's like, well, I'm trying to finish my undergraduate degree and figure out what makes me happy. And I'm really trying to, like, yeah, it's, it, it can be stressful. And I, I totally understand what you're saying. And I think um, another big thing that I found is moving away from Olympics and dancing with the stars, a lot of people said, well, you got to strike while in the iron's hot, right? Like you got to make the most of this time and this opportunity. And mm-hmm. I didn't really know what that meant, I guess. And, um, I don't know. I mean, moving away from football, I, I don't know if you are moving away from football or in this experience that you're currently in or the time that you're currently in. Do you feel like you are in a place where you can listen to your own voice and, and sort of follow your own path or do you feel it's difficult to navigate the waters with so many other influences both positive and negative, I suppose?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's taken me five years and like year one was like the saddest year of my life. I was just like, I just was doing nothing. I was like laying on the couch, just like I, you know, I signed up to be like an Uber driver. I had no idea what I was doing. I had graduated from v- Vanderbilt with like two degrees, and so like yeah. I think I could have done something. But there's this lack of self confidence that you're able to do anything else. Um, and you kind of you kind of go from this like attitude of like the Nike Just Do It vibe to like I feel like the the thing that helped me move past that the sadness was like this hey you got to just do something vibe Mm -hmm. and uh i i think i have been able to by just getting involved in whatever figure out what i'm interested in what i'm not and then like you just gotta you just gotta walk down the path and you'll kind of figure out what you're into and uh and where you're going so that's been my experience but
0: it's just so hard when you've had that one thing that you know you're in love with since you're a kid and then all of a sudden you're like, I pick something. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I would love to hear, so you, your husband, Fedor, mm-hmm. um, you mentioned that his mom was your coach. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's right. Marina Zueva is um, a world-renowned ice dance, well, figure skating coach. She doesn't, she doesn't just coach ice dance, but... Um, I had been taking her from her since maybe full time since 2005, but we kind of started working with her maybe in 2003, Charlie and I did. And, um, yeah, Fedora is her son. (laughs) uh, I brought
1: brought her up to to hear about the the team that has helped you, um, (laughs) achieve the amount of success that you have. So Charlie, yeah, yeah, we'd love to hear about that.
0: Um, well, she's amazing. Marina is just incredible. Um, she's brilliant. She's a true artist. And um, I think one of the things that really has makes her, I mean, i, I we don't work with her every day anymore, but um, she's still coaching. And one of the things that makes her such an incredible coach is her psychological approach to getting the most out of you, right? Like she's she's really working with her students mentally to wrap their heads around. Why am I doing this? What, how can I like give more? How can I be there for my partner? Be there, be there for the people around me, recognize how special it is to get to do these things that we're doing on the ice or in in sport. And, um, you know, I think that was one of the difficult parts actually moving away from, Competition as well as, like you said, you have this support team. Whether it's, you know, having Charlie there, Charlie and I are in things together twenty four seven, you know, six days a week for twenty some years or whatever. And you know, I have these amazing coaches, and we have, if we need it, we have access to a nutritionist. We have access to a sports psychologist. We have, you know, masseuse like helping us with our sore muscles. And I'm sure you you have experienced the same thing. And then you sort of move away, and of course, you know, you could gather another team together and, and we have this community of people who could be there for us but um, definitely the team is such a big part of success in sport and then kind of going it semi alone is you um, feel like you're going rogue a little
1: yeah, yeah. can I ask you um, so you've been in. you've been trying to get your undergraduate degree is this your 13 is that right did I didn't yeah
0: so why? I, why? Why so long? That's a good question. Why are
1: you still pursuing it? Because, I mean, hat first of all, hats off to you. Second of all, not a lot of people would do that. So I'm curious, why are you doing it?
0: That's a great question. Um, I took, you know, my first year of college, I took one or two classes per semester. I was actually living on campus because I really wanted, and as I said, I was in a sorority, and I really wanted, I didn't want to miss out on the college experience. Um, and um, I, I continued taking one or two classes per semester, and then I took the 2010 Olympic year and the 2014 Olympic year totally off. And so it was a very slow and steady chipping away at school. And since the 2014 Olympics, Charlie and I have been kind of on the road, especially maybe 2014 through 2000, uh, like through the 2018 Olympics really that we, we didn't compete in. We were on the road, maybe 75% of the time, um, touring. And that's one of the things, you know, talk about transition is like the theme of your show. And I think for a lot of figure skaters, we have the opportunity to skate professionally, even when we move away from competitive sport. And I know gymnastics has a little bit of that as well in the Olympic year with the tour, but um, Charlie and I have really been able to continue doing what we love professionally. We spend a lot of time in Japan, in Europe, touring, and so I guess the point of my sharing that, uh-oh, it says my internet connection is unstable, so let me know if you can't hear me, um, is that, I've again, I've continued doing school like very slowly when I'm on the road, and, um, but ultimately, it just is some, education has always been important to me. Um, it's something that Charlie and I always took a lot of pride in, even when we were young, growing up was, you know, prioritizing school, and skating was another huge part of our lives, but we didn't want to just sort of put our, put our eggs in one basket, so to speak. And um, we also work with a lot of educational programs, academic programs for kids. And I've Charlie and I have spent years and years and years talking to our students about how important education is and, and what it can do for you. And, and um, not only would I be a hypocrite if I didn't listen to my own advice, um, it's really just like build, been by my saying it, it's been just drilled into my brain so deeply. Um, and I'm so close too. Um, and I also feel like I don't really know, like there are so many things that I do want to do and, and challenges that I want to tackle and things like that. But the fact of the matter is I don't really know what, what life holds for me or what challenges are out there. And I, I feel like taking pride in getting my degree um, and then just having that and being able to, you know, feel satisfied, right? Cause that's another thing we talk about is just that, that feeling of progress and personal satisfaction. So, um, again, this has been a very fragmented answer, so, but yeah, it's just, I, I guess in a nutshell, it's just important to me and I'm so close. It would be really silly of me, like five credits away to be like, you know what? I don't need
1: that degree. Well, no, I I think you're a model in so many ways, and and you pursuing getting a degree, I think, is an example. And just the amount of time you spend on it, I think, is such a great testimony to, like, hey, you know what? It might take you 13 years, but you could do it if you want. Um, It's something I was curious because Sean um, started school didn't finish and it's been like this she's kind of tormented by it and is always um considering going back to school so uh she'll have to listen to this episode. Yeah, we'll have
0: to chat. We should chat yeah. about it.
1: I would also love to um later talk to you about so my brother was an olympic cyclist he's ultimately who introduced Sean and I but he left the sport and was like roaming the world for a couple of years and then ultimately started an organization called Hope Sports where he like Brings athletes in. They build a house in two days, and you get to know this family. They put you through this kind of like sports psychology or like uh, programming, so that you can, I I, ultimately like you. You just walk away with a lot of self confidence and like belief that you're bigger than sport. So um, we'd love to talk to you about that another time. But um, two of your simpler pleasures in life, it sounds like, are baths and reading. Yes. Curious, what book are you into right now?
0: Um, my uncle just gave me uh, Sapiens. Oh, which whoa, deep. Is a great book. And um, you know, I, as an anthropology major, I probably should have read it already <laughs> <laughs> um, and I hadn't. So he just gave me that. So I'm just finishing that up right now, which is really interesting. Um, it's a very like, biological anthropology focus, which isn't, I've taken a lot of, a lot of, um, biological anthropology classes. So it's been really interesting. And, um, yeah, that, that's the book that I'm reading right now. And baths, I mean, especially as an athlete, I don't know, I don't know if you were into baths when you were, when you were training, but for me, especially like the stress of just you go and you're working out for seven hours, you come home, you cook yourself a healthy meal, and then you just pour some like Epsom salt in a warm bath and turn on a movie or read a book in the tub. And you're, <laughs> it's <really> <laughs> I,
1: I will say this Sean has been purchasing a lot of those little lush bash bath bombs, bash bombs, okay. and uh, some of those smell so good, I, yeah. I love them. Um, but Okay, I'd love for you to talk to us about the charities that you're involved in. So the two that um, I'm aware of are Classroom Champions and Detroit, or Figure Skating Detroit. So what are those all about?
0: Yeah, great. Um, well, Classroom Champions is a program Charlie and I have been working with since 2010. And essentially, it is a an athlete mentorship program. And so the program partners... Olympic, Paralympic athletes with uh, high need classrooms around the country. And what we do is we send um, recorded videos to our classrooms once a month that have different themes. So one month it's goal setting, the next uh, the next month it's perseverance, and then healthy living, um, community, um, we are all champions is another theme that we talk about. And so we are discussing these ideas based on our own experience in the world of Olympic sport. And then also talking about how these these topics and these lessons apply to the world outside of sport as well. So, you know, with skating, Hey, we set the goal of winning the Olympics. You can't, when you're five years old, say I want to win the Olympics, go. You have to set small, short, incremental goals, you know, take pride in your progress on, the, on a daily basis. And so bringing these really, um, tried and true, really easily understandable lessons from sport um, down to like an everyday level for young people. And then applying to and applying them to the world outside of sport is is super cool. And we get a chance to chat with our classrooms. And um, I think it's cool because the kids, by the end of the school year, I think they really feel as though we're friends. And so feeling as though they have this person who's in their corner um, that they can connect with and, and it sort of opens this door to maybe a world of possibility that they hadn't thought of before. So um, it's a program that I, I just love. Um, and it's, it's it's um, like I said, we've been doing it for eight or nine years now, so very cool. And then uh, figure skating in Detroit, a lot of similarities in that essentially figure skating in Detroit is the first branch of a program called figure skating in Harlem um that's been around for over 20 years and we um the people in figure skating in Harlem wanted to expand into a new city do more amazing things um already incredibly incredibly successful in Harlem and so we in Detroit we knew that we had to you know, convince the people in Harlem that Detroit was the next great place for figure skating in Harlem. So now it's figure skating in Detroit. And similar to Classroom Champions, what we're doing is taking lessons that are easily understood in sport and translating them to the outside world for young people. And so this program in particular is for young girls in the city of Detroit. And um, we use figure skating as an educational tool to teach the girls Um, Not just their own value their own possibility if you work hard, you know, you can make progress you can make anything happen but also these concepts of You fall down. It's really hard. Sometimes it doesn't feel good. You get yourself back up You try again you get better every day You keep working towards these same, you know tricks or maneuvers or this new skill that you want to learn and with enough time and dedication It happens for you, and sort of setting out this roadmap for them that you know Olympic figure skating isn't—it certainly isn't the goal with figure skating in Detroit. The goal is to use figure skating as a as a tool um, to teach these young people, you know, how to apply these same skills we learn on the ice to um, life outside figure skating.
1: Very cool. That's awesome. Um, I'm curious, where are you traveling to next?
0: Good question. Uh, my brother just texted me yesterday and asked if we wanted to go hiking in Kauai um, <sighs> next month. And uh, I was like, yes, yes, I did. <laughs> I do how to make that happen. So, oh, wait, no, next, um, I'm going to Detroit next week for a week to prepare for an upcoming tour with, with Charlie. We're going to Tokyo uh, for a tour in late August. Sweet. So, yeah, so we'll be, we'll be in Tokyo late August through the beginning of September, and then back to LA, maybe Hawaii, and then we go back to Japan for another tour in October.
1: Can I just say what a wild life you live to forget that you were going to Tokyo?
0: I know. I know.
1: <laughs>
0: I love it so much. <laughs>
1: what, what are your goals now, Meryl?
0: Good question. I wrote them down. <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting because... I feel like my goals are very informal now. You know, well once upon a time my goals were like stand on an Olympic podium. You know, it's it's there, but um, graduating from college is probably my number one sort of short-term goal. I should be done um, this fall, so I'm really excited about that, and I know my parents will be thrilled after 13 years when I can check university off the list. Um, for me, one of my one of my major goals is to be open to learning. Um, I think that. Especially as an Olympian, you know, once you get to that point, you've sort of been like elite for many years. And I think it's difficult to allow yourself to start something new and just be really bad at it and be okay with it. And so for one, for me, one of my goals is to just be okay not being good at things and, and embracing the newness and embracing, like, all the chaos that comes with starting something different. Mm-hmm. Um, finding... Like happiness along sort of that path is another goal of mine, and, and spending time with, spending more time with family and friends. Because I'm sure you and Sean can relate when you're when you're competing and you're training, a lot of things sort of get pushed to the side, and you know, sport comes first, and then you miss birthday parties and you miss you know family weddings and engagements and things like that. And so, um, really prioritizing family and, and friends is something um, that is a big goal of mine as well. Nice
1: i'm yeah. excited for what's next for you um thank you for your patience and putting up with my spaciness during this interview this is the first interview that i've done since uh haven't been released and just everything you're saying i was like going on this philosophical tangent in my mind but uh, i appreciate all the uh, bombs of wisdom that you dropped and uh
0: no it's, it's my pleasure I, and <laughs> i mean I, sorry i just interrupted you but um how cool that you you are already on this path with this show you know after being released and you are you already have this and you've already learned so many of these lessons and i feel like the fact that you are so dedicated to telling these stories and and communicating this really important and sometimes difficult idea to other people i mean it's it's pretty epic so congratulations on that
1: thank you Congrats to you and, and uh, your husband on the wedding. And Thanks. I look forward to staying in touch, Meryl. Yes, was fun.
0: yes, we should chat. Congratulations <laughs> on, uh, on the coming baby too.
1: Thank you.